Hello, and thank you for tuning into Women in Customer Success podcast. I'm Maria Skobe-Pile, your host, and I say thank you because I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Today, I'm talking to Ronnie Gon, one of the top 100 customer success strategists in 2020 and a well-known influencer in the field of customer success. If you are already following Ronnie, you might have noticed that she is sharing some really valuable, thought-provoking content on LinkedIn. I've certainly been inspired by her thoughts on career development, the stigma of unemployment and many other epiphanies that she is sharing. And that's exactly what we are talking about today. You will hear how Ronnie got furloughed in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic and how her job-seeking experience made her become an expert on herself. I'm sure that this concept will be very valuable for you. So you will hear about setting your priorities right, becoming an expert on yourself, finding an ideal employer profile, what are the must-have, nice-to-have and deal-breakers. I hope this episode will help you wherever you are in your career. So let's dive in. I'm very excited to talk to Ronnie Gone, one of the top 100 customer success strategists in 2020. Hi, Ronnie. Welcome to the show. Hello, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. Ronnie, it is such a pleasure of mine. I have been learning from you and I think you are posting some great content for professional women in general. So I'm really happy that we can explore some of your ideas on workplace today. So for listeners who may not know you yet, Ronnie, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Ronnie Gon, and I am a enterprise customer success manager, but I've had many roles in customer success and account management where I've had the opportunity to be in both leadership roles, kind of player coach roles, as well as individual contributors. So I think that's given me a great perspective. I started my career in media, actually, and I spent a couple decades there before I decided to take the things that I enjoyed about my various roles there and moved into the SaaS startup world. And that's where my world changed a lot, but has also brought me a lot of experience and a lot of epiphanies, if you will, about my career journey. Wonderful. How long exactly have you been in media? I was in media for 19 years. And then what really drove me to make a change was I was in media for 19 years. (laughs) (laughs) I was in print media and advertising started shifting to digital. And we were managing all of these digital assets and whatnot on an Excel spreadsheet for 50 plus publications and their websites and all of the other things that they offered digitally. And I had the opportunity to see how we could automate that process utilizing software development. And at that point, I got very interested in all of the different technologies that were out there and made the move, like I said, into the shark-infested waters of SaaS reps. (laughs) And when you made a transition, I wonder what attracted you to SaaS? And the world of startups. Well, I definitely think that was something that I saw coming. The subscription economy was growing and it was obvious. And that was really where 
customer success was most prevalent and it wasn't always called that. So my first role outside of media was a director of account management. But in retrospect, we were doing many of the same things customer success does today, including some upselling and expansion, but primarily making sure the customer was set up for success. And it was just an evolution even within that role. And from there, most of my roles have had some connection directly with customer success. You are very involved in customer success work, best practices, industry, communities. What is it that you are enjoying the most? Well, I think it's the things that I've always enjoyed. And I'm so excited about customer success. We're flying our flag now. I think for a long time, we've been perceived as an extension of support or an extension of sales and not really had our own space. And so I'm very excited about that. I think there's so much opportunity to learn from each other. I love that customer success. And I think we are this way by nature, that we're very empathetic towards each other. We're very supportive. We share information and ideas openly, freely. And I think that that's one of the main things that I like about customer success as a community, as a operating philosophy or as a discipline, even down to the tasks that you might do day to day as a CS professional. Those are all things that I think resonate with me as somebody who is naturally empathetic and somebody who is naturally focused on helping. And so that aligns well with who I am. You said you're naturally empathetic. I can think of it so clearly when I'm reading any of the content that you are publishing. So I'm interested in exploring a bit more of your epiphanies. So let's start with one that is related to career and being unemployed. What happened in 2020 in your career and why was it so interesting and important and raw and vulnerable at the same time that you have created that amazing content on LinkedIn. Yeah, the epiphany happened on May 4th. And it was after being furloughed on April 1. And it was such a blow to my ego, such a blow to my self-esteem, not to mention just the fear of everything going on with COVID. I will say that I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for what happened, even though it was another bout with unemployment, which I had had many of. And there were various reasons for that. Again, I think SaaS and startup world is a little more volatile or a lot more volatile. And that's not really the important part of my career journey. What I think is important to share is that I made a commitment to become the expert of myself. I was trying to consume all of the information about job searching and how you should present yourself on LinkedIn and what your resume should be like and how you should network. And I tried a lot of those different things. I paid money for a lot of those different things, but I always felt that I was acting differently than I would had I been just authentic. I know that word is overused. But one of the very first epiphanies that I write about is my priorities, getting my priorities straight. I didn't ever want to be in that situation again. And so becoming an expert in myself meant understanding my priorities. Previously, I was always focused on what was my title? How many people do I manage? What is the amount of money I'm making? And when I really got 
honest with myself, looked myself in the mirror and said, what is it that's really important to you, Ronnie? It was, I wanted to work for an organization that was a must-have for businesses, not a nice-to-have, as many SaaS companies are. Even if they have wonderful tools and they deliver ROI, they are often perceived as nice-to-haves. The second one was culture. I had sacrificed culture time and time and time again because I wanted the title and I wanted to manage people and I wanted the money. And the third one was recognizing the long game. So I've been in business 25 years. I don't think I'm going to be in business another 25 years. You never know. But I needed to be forthright and honest with myself about what that looked like. I needed the stability and the longevity. I could no longer take the risks that I had along the way in startup land. Wow. Amazing epiphany. I wonder if you can give us even more details on each of them. Right. I want to say it was Michaela Shaw. She was also looking for a role at the time and she posted something or her colleague did about the ideal employer profile. So we talk all the time about the ideal customer profile, but when you are a job candidate or you're not really thinking in terms of that, you're not really thinking about, again, going to that must have, nice to have and total deal breaker from the perspective of who you would want to work for. I think that opens up another epiphany for me, which was, I don't need to approach these interviews and these conversations on my heels. I am bringing value. And this is a partnership with an employer. And I am being compensated for that value that I bring my expertise, my experience, my ambitions, my ideas, those sorts of things. And oftentimes, I think candidates don't have clarity around that. The other thing that I think was really important was getting clear on my narrative. First of all, I'm very industry agnostic. I've been in a lot of different types of industries. That's something you often have to overcome during the job search, but also just making sure that you are able to articulate how you went from this job to this job to this job to this job, particularly if it's not as clear as it might be. And then if you add in short tenures and longer gaps, those are also things you have to be able to overcome. You have to be able to speak to that confidently. And if your ideal employer profile don't want to approach you or work with you to address those things and understand why some of that stuff may have occurred, then you might want to consider passing. So it's a two-way street. What about a culture? What should listeners be aware of? There's a few things you can find out about culture from the outside. And a lot of times that can come from your personal experience or others with that organization. There's also lots of really great ways that you can filter and do different searches. One of them that I often share with job seekers that I talk to is looking at how many employees an organization has today and then flipping it to that same company as a past company. And that way you can see how many have come and how many have gone. And that is oftentimes indicative of what the culture is like. So if they've had a revolving door, that could be a warning sign. But I also think, again, using LinkedIn, I'm a big fan. (laughs) You can also learn about what their CS organization looks like. For example, you can go in and if you're applying to a role, 
for customer success manager and there's no leadership in that role or there isn't anybody else in that role, you really want to ask those questions about what customer success means to them and make sure that you're aligned with that. Because oftentimes when you see customer success manager, which is the new kind of sexy marketing title, that can mean that you are doing everything from A to Z. So you're doing everything from customer support all the way through upsell and advocacy and so on. That is just a wonderful advice. So when you're looking at the company, just check all the people who work there so that you wouldn't be that only one person (laughs) responsible for everything, potentially, unless that's something that you would really like to do. Right. It's asking questions and not being afraid to ask those questions because it is your livelihood and you need to protect that and not walk into organizations that don't have clarity around their CS strategy or even their vision for it. Ronnie, your number three of what you're looking for in an employer was recognizing the long game. What does it actually mean? For me, that was the evolution of wanting to have a certain salary. And long game would be, in many of my previous roles, there was always the equity piece. And that rarely came through. So when I say long game, it's still financial to some degree, but knowing that the company is stable, that they have enough money to operate or that they are doing well at raising money, whatever the case may be. But long game for me is I needed to make sure that what was being promised to me from a financial perspective has a high probability of coming to fruition. Great advice, Ronnie. And especially as those were the things that you realized in a situation when you were furloughed from the job in the midst of pandemic. So obviously a huge consideration, not only for these current times of pandemic, but in general for the future. Let's not forget that now as you identified the ideal employer profile, what happened next once you're starting to interview? I kept hearing that there are more and more stages in the interview process and that it all lasts forever. Tell me what was your experience, interviewing process, preparation, how long does it take, what to for, what to be aware of? So what are the tips? So my tips with interviewing is becoming an expert of myself. I knew what I wanted. I knew what was important to me. And in every interview, every stage, I brought that with me. That was kind of my armor that I wasn't going to accept situations or questions that I was going to answer them honestly and answer them and not be ashamed of. I've had a lot of job losses or I've had a lot of gaps. The process looked the same. I interviewed obviously with a number of companies and I think that it's reasonable from the perspective of the employer that they want to have the best person in the role. And so therefore, they bring in oftentimes your peers, your managers, there's HR involved, and so on. So the process can be a little bit long. But remember that that's your opportunity as well to interview them and to understand and to learn more about the culture, really, especially if that's super important to you. If you're focused on a customer success role, again, because customer success can be interpreted in so many different ways, that's another opportunity for you to learn more. Now, I've definitely been asked to do assignments and I have invested hours upon hours doing that. I would love to say that I don't recommend you do that, but I also understand the plight of the unemployed. I'm a big advocate of people who are unemployed 
I know oftentimes the reasons you're unemployed are not because of something you've done wrong or not done at all or whatever the case is, but the burden of proof is often on the candidate. So if you don't want to have that experience again, embrace that longer cycle and use it to your advantage. In one of our previous conversations, you mentioned how it is really important to cut out a lot of noise that is out there. So what do you mean by that? As there are increasingly so many resources, so many things happening. So how to really make sure that you can be focused on what you need to help you succeed? What's your advice? Yeah, I definitely had worked with a lot of different very talented LinkedIn profile writers and resume writers and career coaches and all of those types of folks. However, I was trying to consume too much. And I was trying to take their methodology or their ideas and make it work for me. And it came across very inauthentic. I even went back to several people and said, I was following this methodology of this person or this group. And I'm really sorry because the real reason I reached out to you is because I'm looking for a job and I'm interested in working with you or with your company. I think that it's going back to becoming the expert in yourself and forgiving yourself for what has happened, what hasn't happened, what you wanted to happen. It's never too late. Things can always get better. But if something just doesn't sit right with you. You cannot spend all of your time listening to how to find a job or what are the best ways to find a job. You have to get your own rhythm and your own methodology and you have to not be afraid of rejection. That's easier said than done. But I think that was a big one for me is sending out emails and being completely comfortable with the fact that I may not ever hear from those folks. Really, really wonderful advice. Be ready for rejections because in job search, let's face it, they're going to happen. And then becoming an expert in yourself. I know you mentioned it a few times today and thank you so much for it. I would really like the listeners to remember, if nothing else from this episode, but that become an expert in yourself, You know, take ownership in who you are, no matter what anyone else is telling you. I really like that, Ronnie. So thank you for sharing it. You also had a few other epiphanies uh, that I thought might be really interesting to mention. So one of them was around vulnerability. So tell me more, what was your epiphany on vulnerability in the workplace? I needed to trust that vulnerability was not a negative emotion, that it was not something that makes me weak or less capable, less eligible for a role, that being vulnerable can be a safe space for you if you embrace it. I think a lot of people, you're vulnerable by nature when you're a job seeker, but we're vulnerable by nature as human beings. And so trying to merge those together and put the fact that I'm a human first, not a job candidate ahead of that was really important. I also reached out to people. I said things, I wrote things, knowing full well that it wasn't going to resonate with everybody. Not everybody was going to like what I had to say. And that is embracing your vulnerability. 
something I talk about now is mutual vulnerability, right? That's with friends, family, customers, colleagues. Everybody is walking around with some level of vulnerability. We don't know COVID is one thing, but also with millions of people without jobs and industries being decimated by the changes in the economy and so forth. It's here to stay. Vulnerability is here to stay. So you should embrace it. And what about the serendipity? One other epiphany that I was reading about. Right. So I recently wrote about an interesting story where it came full circle that my mother's financial advisor for the last 25 years actually happened to be the same person who sold her engagement ring to my stepdad. And the way that this was found, unfortunately, my stepfather passed away in August after he was my stepfather for 25 years, only grandfather my kids knew and so forth. And so very close to me. But anyway, she was going through some of his stuff and she came across the receipt for the engagement ring and the name on it happened to be the same as their financial advisor. Fast forward 25 years and indeed it was him. And in addition to that, I learned that the financial advisor actually met his wife while he was a salesperson at that jewelry store Ah. (laughs) that he is still married to today. So that was really interesting. But my point with that was you don't really know who's going to come around as your colleague or your customer again, or your friend. People talk a lot about don't burn bridges, always stay positive, especially in job. Like I say, the burden of proof being on the candidate always having to find a way to finesse why you might have had job gaps or why you might have had short tenures. And I say, embrace those things, be honest about those things. You just don't know who's going to come back into your life at any point. And it's important to, again, be okay with yourself, be okay with your story, with your truth. Ronnie, who inspires you? There are so many people that inspire me, Maria, (laughs) including you. I would say that it is interesting. I think it's my sensitivity to the people who are less prominent out there, but that I have worked with or know of in some way that are very knowledgeable. They have a lot of expertise. They have a lot to share, but they're not necessarily comfortable doing that. So There's a few people that I go to, if you will, for mentorship, and I often mentee as well, but Evan Klein of Satric Solutions, he's a great friend of mine. He is the person who introduced the concept of pay it forward to me, and I've tried to exploit that in every way that I can. I also am really inspired by Christian Krauss. He works for Salesforce, but he posts some phenomenal content on LinkedIn. Again, not necessarily in the CS world. I love everything that Megan Bowen is doing from Refine Labs. I just jump all over that. And of course, I have to give a shout out to my co-founders of the CS ladies. There's Bavika and Ashna, Ali, Deanna, Liani. We're very multicultural, multilingual in that group. Those are my inspirations at the moment, but I think in general, humans inspire me. What's your message for aspiring leaders in customer success? Being a leader in customer success is not about the title that you hold or the number of people that you 
manage, quote unquote. It's about the impact that you make on them and on the customers. It is about coaching and empowering and listening and leading people to their own success. That is what I think true leadership is. My advice to people who are interested in that path is to establish credibility. That was one of the reasons I always preferred a hybrid player coach role is that I could always keep my ear to the ground with customers because I have a few in my own portfolio, but also I could learn about the experiences of the rest of the team who were dealing with customers day in and day out. And although they could self-report what's going on with them, having my own customers was a really great way to bring that together and understand the bigger picture, as well as when you have your own customers, that helps you establish credibility with your team. So they know that you're not just telling them what to do. They know that you can do what they're doing as well, to some degree. Wonderful, Ronnie. Where can listeners find you online? Mainly on LinkedIn, but I am recently launching with the ladies I spoke of earlier. It's a service organization called CS Ladies, and we do welcome women in customer success, women who are interested in customer success, enthusiastic about customer success, so you don't have to be necessarily a customer success professional. But really, we're focused on learning with and from our members in areas of self-improvement, offering and receiving mentorship, upskilling. If you want to potentially learn Canva or you want to upskill in Excel, we're really just there to support and evolve. So it's really exciting because it's a very much more direct relationships to learn and teach and share, like I said. And we're creating a very safe environment for that. So I'm very excited about that, the CS Ladies. So you can probably find a bunch of stuff on that pretty soon. And also LinkedIn. I'm pretty much all over that. I tried to visit some of the other micro communities and participate in a lot of different conversations that I'm invited to. But primarily, you'll, you can connect with me and find me on LinkedIn and hear me talk on LinkedIn. That's great, Ronnie. Thank you for sharing that and for telling us more about CS Ladies Initiative. I think this is such a wonderful initiative that you're doing. This has been a wonderful conversation and I hope and I'm sure you will keep on doing what you're doing, being present, being on LinkedIn, sharing your epiphanies. Those are little gems. So I'm really happy that we managed to talk about them today. Thank you so much, Maria. It's been my pleasure. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so others can find it as well. Also, keep an eye on the womenincspodcast.com for new exciting updates. Have a great day and talk to you soon.